1: Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms.
0: So Beth, today's episode, we're going to be talking about um, other women's experience, but we were kind of talking offline about how fun it was to reach out to women in our circles and get a bunch of unique experiences. So um, I know like usually it. it's just you and I talking about what we did and why and this was like really the
1: first time that we got to talk to other survivors in detail. I mean we obviously deal with them all the time but to find out what they chose and why they chose it and I just learned so much.
0: You know? Yeah I think anytime you dig deep with somebody and you ask them what their motivation. What impacted are. a decision in their life, a big decision too. Uh it's really, it's really cool to see all the different unique perspectives and and what kind of stories come into everybody's decision. So yeah. I'm excited to share today. Yeah, I I agree. So um I think
1: we'll start with reiterating the recurrence rates for lumpectomy and mastectomy, which this is funny, but I I think in my previous episode I was saying reoccurrence. And I think it's recurrence, right? Yes, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice that when I was doing that last time? I kept saying- I did not. Okay it's like your mixed metaphors. You're always doing mixed metaphors. That's my thing. I, I'm always saying reoccurrence. I, I, I found it. I was like, I think I was saying reoccurrence and I think it's recurrence. All right. Perfect. All right. So I just want to put the, it out the there. The things
0: that you learn when you listen to yourself. Right. Exactly. I'm like, oh. Good and the bad. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so we'll start with the recurrence rates for lumpectomy versus mastectomy. Uh, and then we will move into talking about some of the people in our circles and, and what they chose for surgery options and, and how that was different from... From us and what we chose um, and really why they chose it. I think that that's probably the most important aspect of, of getting other people's opinions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll wrap with just maybe some questions that you could ask your breast surgeon prior to making your own decision.
0: Before we get into that, let's hear from our first sponsor. For comprehensive women's health care, Barnes-Jewish St. Peter's and Progress West Hospital are your best choice for doctors, new technologies, and personalized care. With a broad range of women's health services, including breast health, continence and pelvic pain therapy, OBGYN care, and a birthing center, by choosing a BJC healthcare facility, you become part of a network that provides the world's best medicine. Schedule an appointment today by calling 636-928-WELL. That's 636-928-9355. Okay, so we are back,
1: and I want to reiterate the statistics that we kind of touched on in our last episode regarding recurrence rates with lumpectomy or mastectomy. So regardless of whether you choose to have a lumpectomy or mastectomy, the recurrence rate remains basically at 10% in the treated breasts and about 0.5% Per year in the breast that has not been treated, so the risk of getting a different cancer is estimated to be about two percent. And this is all information from John Hopkins. This is all to just say that the recurrence rates are the same,
0: which, which- is actually a, it's a, that's kind of a surprise. I, I was surprised by that anyway, just from right. the stories that we had heard.
1: Yeah, and I think I think the way that they the caveat to that is that it's the same if you do a lumpectomy with radiation. Mm. So if you do a lumpectomy with radiation, then it's then it's the same. Gotcha. So yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting thing too. And we talked about why, despite that fact, you and I opted to have a double mastectomy. But there's women that choose um, other options. And in fact, the more common option is lumpectomies.
0: So- uh, yeah, and I was surprised by that statistic just because of the circles, I guess, that I'm involved in and, you know, I guess what I've seen on Facebook – I would have guessed that the more common option that women are choosing is a mastectomy single or bilateral. So I mean it's a pretty extreme
1: option like when you think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. like, you know what I mean? And I think it speaks to like you said our our social circles with younger survivors who opt to have that more often, but that's not the standard hmm. th- that most women choose. So I I think let's let's start with some of the women we spoke to that chose lumpectomies because that's what the majority of women still choose
0: right so tell me about um you talked to cindy who had a lumpectomy what was her experience and why did she choose that i actually found cindy's reasoning
1: really interesting because she had originally wanted a double mastectomy because she had very large breasts and they caused her a lot of problems which I could totally relate to because I was the same way um, prior to my mastectomy. If you have a large chest, there are issues that come with that. So she really didn't mind the idea. She said in part because she felt like she was 68 years old and she was okay with the idea of letting them go. But she changed her mind and got a lumpectomy because she said her surgeon pointed out that because she was a heavier woman, that she would have a lot of excess skin that would hang off the front of her chest. And that would then require additional plastic surgery, which she hadn't considered. So when she found that out, she went ahead and went with the lumpectomy. And she's very happy with her decision. And I asked her, and she said that she does not worry about recurrence. It really isn't something that anxiety does not bother her at all. That's
0: interesting. I would be curious to understand from her perspective, you know why that isn't. You know what her follow up looks like, and and you know where her mind is at to make sure that she has that that fear that's reduced in her mind about the recurrence.
1: Yeah. Well, I think yeah. that just speaks to all of us having various you know levels just, of comfort. Uh huh.
0: Yeah. 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 Really. And
1: and because I did speak to another woman, Karen, actually, and you and I spoke to her about her because she's forty two, and she chose a me because it was a quicker recovery and it would allow her to keep her breasts. And she doesn't have regrets either, but she actually does suffer a lot of anxiety when it comes time for her annual mammograms. But mm-hmm. she feels like that anxiety is worth, you know, keeping her natural breast. Yeah. And so while that does cause
0: her a lot of anxiety, she 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 plows forward. and. and <laughs> well, and I think that's why you and I both chose what we chose, because we knew I guess preemptively that that anxiety would be there, and and so and and I would venture to guess that that's why probably a lot of women choose to go with the mastectomy. I even think it though. plays a part. I mean, I really do. So that's interesting, um, Karen's story. I want to share about my friend Amy. Um, she's forty-four. She has uh, three kids. She had originally opted for a lumpectomy because her what she said. Her husband is a boob man. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, and but then shortly after she got the news that her cancer had come back. So this time she said it was like a no brainer for her to choose a bilateral mastectomy. So she chose that uh, because her cancer, uh, like the chances of that coming back again for a third time, was pretty high. So she's glad that she did because they actually did find cancer in both breasts. So when they did the pathology from Mm -hmm. the double mastectomy, they found cancer cells in the other breast? Correct. Okay. Yep. For reconstruction, though, she did decide to. There, there, wasn't really an option for her. She had had heart surgery when she was younger, mm-hmm. so her skin was really thin. So reconstruction wasn't an option. So she actually opted to stay at the end of all of that flat. After
1: wow, that's interesting. She started with a
0: lumpectomy, did a
1: double mastectomy, and then ended up with no reconstruction at all.
0: Correct. Wow, yeah. that is a journey. It is quite. She has. She's had quite a journey. She's very much a warrior. So how does in my she book. feel
1: about being flat? How does she feel about it? like her? you know, the whole process.
0: She feels confident in it. And she's actually even gone so far to have a tattoo over all of it, which is gorgeous. She's now a beautiful piece of art. Um, oh, that's so she's cool. really, she's really confident in oh, it. Yeah. That's awesome. We can, I, I have actually another person that I followed up with. She is a friend that I met through social media, through a mutual friend, and she lives in Oregon. Her name is Rachel. And she she has a really, really cool story and a really interesting An interesting perspective that she shared with me about why she chose to go flat, she was larger chested before, and she's an endurance athlete. Mm -hmm. And so she knew she was already kind of, you know, that was a frustration, a point of frustration in her life. So then when she found out that reconstruction for even to make her chest smaller for even an A cup was going to include taking muscle from her back or multiple surgeries and unknown um, factors, like how long it would heal, how long it would take to heal. She just didn't want to go through with all of it. Mm-hmm. I hear that a lot. Like some women mm-hmm. are like, no more surgery. Yeah, yeah. So she came to terms with the fact that, you know, and, and this is a place where you kind of have to put your mind to it, that her breasts aren't what made her feminine, mm-hmm. which is a really strong and empowering place to put your mind. And she couldn't imagine prolonging her treatment journey just to get breasts that weren't, you know, in quotations, hers. Mm-hmm. So her plastic surgeon, this is really cool. Um, Her plastic surgeon actually said, one of the most key statements to her that helped her make her decision, she said that breast um, reconstruction will make you look normal with clothes on, but when you're naked, but not when you're naked. Hmm. So she said that was actually mo- one of her most profound um, statements that helped her come to her decision, which is cool that it came from her plastic surgeon, I think. Right. Um, yeah. She wanted to set her up with realistic expectations. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Which uh, I think is cool. Yeah. And she said it was a tough reality, um, but it totally made sense to me. Um, and she didn't want to go through the huge process to still not feel normal. Hmm. So she chose to stay. And glad. how does she feel? Is she is she glad she did? Very. Yeah, she's very empowering. She her social media. I highly recommend following her. She posts pictures. Um, She's a big she's an avid hiker.
1: I have never met a woman who chose to go flat that regrets it. Have
0: you? No, no. Absolutely I mean, usually, not.
1: usually they are just thrilled and excited mm-hmm. that they did it. And again, like, I think that sometimes providers are surprised when women opt for double mastectomies when it's not necessary in mm-hmm. their mind. I think they're equally interested when women choose to go flat with mm-hmm. no reconstruction. I think it evokes that same curiosity, but mm-hmm. I, I, Every woman I know that's gone flat has been incredibly empowered by the experience and happy they did it,
0: Mm -hmm. which I think
1: is so interesting.
0: I follow a few people on social media, you know, one of which I think she her whole social media is around clothing options. Because if you think about like a woman's closet, like we've got dresses that have chest darts in them for Mm -hmm. our breasts and and what does a shirt look like when it's meant to be a v-neck like she posts a lot of of pictures of her in clothing which Mm. I think is it's really cool to follow and to see her perspective on how she views things and how empowered she is by the clothing's choices that she makes right yeah yeah I agree I if
1: I had opted to not do reconstruction I would just I would just I think I'd own it Mm mm-hmm I'm not going to put any. I, I'm all about efficiency. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not going to put a lot of extra effort in trying to pretend something's there that's not. That's just me. Yeah. But I think that's really cool. I'm. I'm really fascinated and interested when women just own their choices and are fearless about it. Mm-hmm. I just admire it. Yeah.
0: And um, all that money you'd save on bras. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: So true. Well, let's let's talk about Joan. Joan is uh she was 48 when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, mm-hmm. She is now uh, 20 years post. Yes. um Her diagnosis. She had two kids at the time. She chose a single mastectomy with a tram flap reconstruction from her
0: stomach. And mm-hmm. that's when she was diagnosed in 2001.
1: Do they I guess are they doing tram flaps? Still? I
0: yeah, it was actually it was presented to me as an option, or I think it was at least educated to me as that's an option that's out there. Okay, so yeah, I do think that they are still doing.
1: Okay, that. interesting. So um, she did this because she had there had been some recent reports of implants that were leaking and causing a lot of trouble and pain and disfigurement, and she didn't want to deal with any of that. Um, and she wanted her implant to be natural, like her
0: own tissue. And I've heard that from a few women that I've mentored is is that that seems like a more an option that they would like because of the natural feel. And mm-hmm. that's typically why I think people choose the deep or the tram.
1: Well, and not only the natu- more natural feel, but also with implants, you have to replace them at some point, which mm-hmm. guarantees more surgeries. Mm-hmm. So for people who would like to move on and not have to think about additional surgeries, you know, that plays into a lot of people's decision-making as well. Right, yeah. Which I think is good to bring up if, yeah. if you don't want additional surgery. So yeah. how did Joan feel
0: about her surgery? So I, when she chose it, she she thought that it would be a good choice because she had imagined them growing or shrinking with her depending on where she was weight-wise. Mm-hmm. And she had the option to do both breasts, but she decided to only do one just mm-hmm. because she didn't feel like there was any risk. Mm-hmm. Um with the other side with her good side she says <laughs> but after after about 6 weeks uh she she did end up going back in to have her surgery side reduced which she ultimately found out was actually it was bigger because of the swelling that she had oh, been yeah, having. Oh, yeah. The post-operative yeah. swelling lasts a really long time. It does. It, I feel like it takes, I mean, it could take like a year for things to so really settle. So she went back in for a revision six weeks? Mm-hmm. Oh, she, she said, after th- six weeks, my tram flap seemed largely out of proportion. Oh, that's that's early, though, like mm-hmm. in the process. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So um I, I think I think now we'll have we'll have Joan on here probably in a, a few months. She has um, an unbelievable story. Very like cool I, story. It just she's another one where you're just like, What? You're yeah. amazing. So we'll have her on to share about her whole journey and and how she feels about her reconstruction now as part of our Thriver series. Um but that I just painting a picture about why she chose what she chose at the time. I think it's it's really good point to bring home is that you just educate yourself and kind of make a decision on what feels right for you just like all of these women did Mm -hmm. at the time with what you know Mm
1: -hmm. yeah Yeah. absolutely
0: you know what i think we should do
1: what boobs in the news oh yeah (laughs) boobs in the news well let's do boobs in the news and then we'll kind of like wrap up about our anything that we were surprised by in our own surgeries and then maybe questions that people might want to consider asking
0: their surgeon. Does that sound good? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's do boobs in the news first, though. Boobs in the news. This is a fun segment where we read funny tweets from real people or ridiculous news stories. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news.
1: All right. You ready for this? This is from our friends at the Daily Dumbass. Um And i love how they write this it's back to florida because all a lot of these stories originate in florida Mm -hmm. poor florida i think (laughs) it's such a bad rap they really do okay so a 28 year old guy called 911 to tell police to come take care of the aliens he was seen flying low to the ground
0: oh no
1: yeah james his name was james james said that if they didn't step up He'd have to go Independence Day on their asses. <laughs> oh, no. Was it like a drone? No one saw the aliens except for James, but police mm. did arrest him for misuse of 911. <laughs> here's what they think happened. They said James must have taken the brown acid. Don't be like James. <laughs> <laughs> Don't the, be like James. Should I know what brown acid is? I have is? no idea. Do yeah. you know? Nope. Okay, well... There there, there. The, the cat's out of the bag. Sarah and I don't know what acid looks like nope. or what color it should be, but <laughs> apparently the daily dumbass thinks that it, the brown acid's the bad acid. Okay,
0: that's funny. There's your there's your uh, boob in the news. Boob in the news. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. So we are back. Uh we wanted to kind of share some things that m- surprised us after surgery. I want to hear from you first, actually. What When you woke up from surgery, what are some things maybe that were surprising to you that you hadn't expected going into surgery?
1: Well, you know, I, I think back on this and I, I did not ask a lot of questions re- mm. regarding the surgery. Like mm-hmm. there were things I'm like, oh, I wonder why I didn't ask that. But I didn't. One of the things that surprised me when I woke up was just the level of numbness. Mm-hmm. My chest felt like it was like
0: out five feet from my body. Did you feel that way? Yes. I mean, well, yeah, it, the sw- it felt like swollen and it felt, well, it didn't feel actually. That's what I found so weird. Like in my armpits were even kind of numb and tingling, which I, from mentoring people, I have noticed that that doesn't happen to everybody. No, I didn't have that. But it felt weird to put on deodorant like for a while. Mm,
1: yeah, Do You put deodorant on and your on your side that had surgery? Yeah. Oh, see, I had radiation, so I don't ha- I don't stink over there. Oh,
0: well, that's lovely. I know that's a nice little there's, side
1: effect. Of- there is a nice little positive <laughs> silver <laughs> yeah. lining. Yeah, um, yeah. The numbness. Yeah, I didn't have it in my armpit, but it was. I mean, it, and I I don't think that's unusual for a major surgery to have numbness at the mm-hmm. site, but it is like a lot of numbness. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking to myself, "Wow, I didn't know that I, the rest of my life was going to feel like this." Now, it does not. No, like it does not. Yeah. It, the the longer you go out from surgery, the more it feels more natural. And you don't have that numbness now. And I actually have a lot of sensation in my chest now. So it just depends. But at the
0: time, I was shocked at how numb it was. It is really shocking to wake up and to not. I mean, even now, sometimes like, you know, I'll boob graze somebody and be like, oh, I didn't know I did that. (laughs) Like, or, you know, you get a funny look from somebody like, oh, crap not mean to do that. So, but no, that the feeling comes back, it just is. Like it's very difficult to explain. But you know, the, it's it's, the it's worth
1: bringing up because for me, it didn't bother me and I didn't give it much thought other than, oh, that's interesting. I wasn't expecting that. But mm-hmm. for some people, it's very traumatic. So we want to we want to point that out because I've read stories where women feel sad because when they hug hug their grandchildren, Mm -hmm. they don't feel them the same way that they would have prior or, Mm -hmm. you know, not all like not all women get sensation back. And so there are some side effects that you maybe aren't anticipating and then it can impact your quality of life and nobody prepared you for it. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to make light of it because it wasn't an issue for me doesn't mean it wouldn't be an issue for somebody else. And it's definitely something to ask your surgeon about, I think. Right. Just to just to prepare you
0: and see what they say for sure.
1: Is there any? Anything that you found surprising from surgery?
0: Um, I, I feel like that was probably the, the biggest one. And it's not even just from the mastectomy or from reconstruction. But even I had some liposuction for like filling in um, on my last swap surgery. Yeah, are you
1: glad you did that? I know lots of what you are. <gasps> yeah.
0: Okay. So glad I did that. Are you? Okay. Um, for my swap surgery, that was pretty probably the most painful part of that surgery. And and I did not expect that at all. Like I felt like I got punched in the the gut and it didn't go away for weeks after like it hurt to just sit up out of bed. And and I didn't expect that at all. I thought, oh, I'm going to wake up and be skinnier. And you know, there there were moments where the I was bloom. like, well, that was not worth it. <laughs>
1: the bloom is off the rose. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good yeah. in theory, right? It does. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. interesting. A lot of
1: women do that. And they don't always necessarily do it at the time of their reconstruction. Sometimes they do it later. And so that's good for people to know, too, that sometimes they'll take fat from other parts of your body and put it in your chest where the tissue is really thin and give you more voluminous. Yes. Is that, my, my, well, is that my the right th- way to say that? Voluminous.
0: Uh, that sounds wrong. Yeah, I I don't know how to say that. Well, my surgeon called it like giving you cleavage. Like oh. it's the thing that like, you know, makes you look natural or ra- instead of just looking like you have a balloon under your skin. So, interesting. Filling in, filling in. Yeah. Or he called it the icing, maybe. The remember, icing, yeah. <laughs> interesting. That's but funny. I mean, what? So I wonder, I'm wondering what other and, maybe, and we can share this. What other questions would be good to ask your plastic surgeon before you have <clears throat> surgery?
1: Well, you know, I. Again, I'm kind of surprised that I didn't ask questions. And I always think now looking back, it's because I was traumatized and didn't know it. Mm -hmm. And so you're just trying to get in and out and try to, you know, maintain your sanity during this time. And so, you know, I look back and I think it's interesting to me that I didn't specifically ask certain questions, including, you know, how will radiation impact my reconstruction can I see pictures of your typical results? I didn't ask for pictures. Did you ask for pictures? No, not at all. They took pictures of me. Right. (laughs) Yeah, but you didn't ask for pictures. Now, if I had had uh, like cosmetic surgery, like if I was going to get a cosmetic surgeon to do something for me, Mm -hmm. I would be like, show me your befores and afters. Mm -hmm. And I once had a surgeon who was super transparent with me and I loved him for that. And he's like, listen, all surgeons show you their best work. Mm -hmm. You really need to ask them for their typical work so that you have realistic expectations of what it's going to look like. And I thought yeah. that was super instructive, mm-hmm. but I didn't do it. So no. it's just something to think about, you know, asking a surgeon for their typical results, where my scars were going to be. I didn't mm-hmm. ask.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I don't
1: know. I, I don't know that I thought it would make a difference. So maybe that's why I didn't ask because mm-hmm. it's like, well, who cares? I have to do
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, I've, I've heard of women, though, waking up and being like, oh, I didn't expect this. Like mm-hmm. you get into your... <laughs> (laughs) you get in your mind a picture of what what you're going to wake up to. And when it's totally different, sometimes, you know, for some people, it's not a big deal. Like for you, it wasn't a big deal to wake up and not be able to feel your chest. But for me, it did take me a minute to be like wait a second like this isn't what I signed up for mm-hmm. will this ever come back and had to work through that mm-hmm. um, but you know it just it depends on your own comfort level and what you're okay with so asking the questions it can be very important.
1: And I think like to your point because you had some additional work done with the liposuction and giving you some extra tissue you know how many revisions does a t- woman typically ask for after mm-hmm. her, her initial surgery what types of additional surgeries might be in the pipeline in the future um, you know What are some common complications Mm -hmm. from surgery? Because there are a fair number of complications, not always serious. Yeah. But when you're doing a surgery like this, there are going to be complications a lot of times. And so if you're not prepared for that and then it happens, it can be very uh, emotional. They're not going to necessarily
0: lead with that story, though. Right. Like you don't want your doctor to be like, here's everything that could go wrong. Mm -hmm. So just. You know. I think if they're not presenting it to you, you know, when they're telling you about the care plan, mm-hmm. um, the big picture care plan, it's definitely questions that you want to bring up and ask. You know, I know my plastic surgeon did go over a lot of these with me, but you, you never know what their day is like. And if they leave something out, you want to make sure that you're well equipped to you know, ask the questions when you're in there, clear headed, not coming from a place of like, I just need to get this done.
1: Well, in, in, in regards to like them not leading with the bad news, I think that it's so important that they... They do communicate the potential complications, but then you can be positive about it. Here is a common complication that a lot of women find after this reconstruction. However, it's easily fixed. And here's how we do it. Yeah. You know, you can follow it up with if this were to happen, Mm -hmm. we see this all the time. We know how to fix it. Here's how. Right. I think that that does a lot in building credibility and helping prepare a woman for what to expect so that they're not disappointed or scared. Yeah. So I think it's really it always goes back to that communication piece. Mm hmm. And because you're traumatized, you know, it's just helpful to know maybe some of these things from the perspective of people who have been there, done that. Yeah. So I don't know how you feel about
0: that, but. I, I, I agree. I agree. Communication with your provider is incredibly important. Before we recap today's episode, we're going to go into our second sponsor. Hair loss is consistently ranked as one of the most feared
1: side effects of chemotherapy treatment. The emotional impact chemo hair loss can have on patients has been well documented. Scalp cooling is a simple treatment that can prevent hair loss caused by certain chemotherapy drugs. The use of scalp cooling is proven to be effective in preventing chemotherapy-induced alopecia and can result in people retaining much of their hair. Paxman is the global leader in scalp cooling. Their cold cap is scientifically proven to reduce hair loss during chemotherapy. If you are facing cancer treatment and concerned about losing your hair, ask your provider about scalp cooling and visit our website at paxmanscalpcooling.com. That's paxmanscalpcooling.com. Okay, and we're back. So in terms of a recap or advice we have for women, what are you thinking from this episode, Sarah?
0: from all of the perspectives that we shared today you know with all the women who chose a lot of different options and routes um you have to consider what is best for your family what's best for you what will give you the most quality of life and consider consider all the aspects of your life so that you will come out with you know likely as little regrets as possible
1: yeah and again going back to the statistics the good part of that is that you have a wide array of options you know, because you don't have to, according to the data, worry that one option is, quote unquote, better than another, right? Mm -hmm. So the statistics favor a wide array of options, and you can choose the one that's definitely best for you. And I think it's important to note that out of all the women that we've spoken to about their choices, very few have any regrets.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: I think that should give you confidence in making the right choice for yourself and then moving on. Yeah, yeah. So next time on the podcast, we're going to talk about why you should talk to your doctor
0: about the risk of lymphedema before breast surgery. And Beth is going to share her experience and why it is so important. Until next time, guys. See ya.